What up, this is your boy DJ EFN. You might know me as a drink champ, but first and foremost, I'm a proud father. I linked up with two of my other dad homies, Manny Digital and KGB, to start the Fatherhoods podcast. Each week, we bring you insider hip-hop stories, parenting, and advice and therapy. The saying is true, it takes a village, and we humorously serve as each other's trusted counsel in figuring out how not to screw up being a good dad. Fatherhood's Fatherhood's Podcast. Beats, rhymes, and diapers. Yo, Fatherhood's fam, when you're out and about with your baby and they start wilding out, what do you do? Most dudes are fumbling through the traditional baby bag their lady prepped for them, trying to find that one thing that will calm the kid down. That doesn't have to be your life. Dig no more. The firstborn diaper backpack from Fly Dad has over 21 compartments to have everything right where you need it to be for you and your baby and keeping you fly through the process. Get $20 off when you visit flydadgear.com slash fatherhoods. Yo, what's up? This is Manny Digital, <laughs> and we're here. Welcome back to the Fatherhood Outcast. Yeah. Where'd you get that smooth voice from? Come on, baby. I used to do radio, okay? You didn't know this? Uh, nah, you didn't do radio. What'd you do radio? Here in New York, FM station. You see why Z these balls? Tito. It was like I W balls, W balls. <laughs> so, so, uh, how was y'all's week so far? Not too bad. Well, I, I don't know. Somebody almost wanted to do an emergency podcast. I did. Oh, that's right. Okay. I did. So <laughs> we had. A- we probably... set the precedent for emergency podcast therapy. <laughs> yeah, I was very close to uh, to calling in for sure. Um, you know, it was like a series of events. I think it's just due to like my son like being in kindergarten and being a new thing. But it it was, and he's never he's always usually pretty happy and a good mood and all that kind of stuff. And then all last week, it just seemed like there was. Uh, multiple meltdowns that i wasn't used to and it was almost like wait a second who these look you know this looks like teenager type <laughs> you know behavior and shit which oh. was but it was bugging me out and then we had that that night i forget what night it was we were having a you know picked him up from school had a great day picked up some pizza okay you know we were ready to 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 have dinner and then something like really just like something small happened i forget what it was but then like he ended up pushing a plate across the table on some like he was pissed <laughs> i'd never seen him do that before hmm. and then you know then the shit just started hitting the fan with uh you know us talking to him and then like he got just like super mad and then then we made the mistake of asking like all right what are you really thinking right now because oh <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, so that was eye opening. I'm not gonna get into exactly what he, he said, but but it was it was surprising that you know he could be that young, but like be thinking thoughts like that. Well, like, I mean, you got to get us some well, kind like, of insight. Like, for, like, yeah, like, come like, on, right, keep so, us in the dark. So yeah, like <laughs> so for I mean, it's not horrible, but it just goes to show, like even when they're young, when they get mad, like they've got those feelings, and they sometimes right. they don't understand. Like, you know what I mean? So, I don't know. We we were getting on him about it, and like, he was having a, a meltdown or a breakdown, and then we tried to, like, pull it back around, and 
try to figure out what you know like what the root of it what was going on but he was still mad he was basically you know we're trying to talk him out of it and he's still just like you know can i leave the table now i just don't want to talk to anyone i'm just i'm mad you know i'm and we're like nah you got to stay you gotta stay here you know we're 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 still eating we're not done yet and then um and then my wife said you know you know we love you well you know that just kind of like reinforced try to say something positive to him right and then we started talking to him and just trying to get into his head because he was not like you could just see the anger in his face and you know we said all right no consequence just tell us what you were thinking like and he's like well very hesitant you sure i'm not going to get a consequence it's a bad word and I'm like no mm. no it's okay and he goes well you know when you said you love me and you know i was thinking you're stupid <laughs> among other things (laughs) so and then then especially to my wife like that really hurt her feelings and i mean i already knew he was mad at me it was more so directed at me but she kind of caught the because i was being more the the disciplinarian at that moment so i knew most of it was it was directed at me but she ended up catching catching it just because she was agreeing with me you know um collateral damage yeah basically so then she you know then she ended up getting visibly upset because you know it's like a shock to hear your this this little guy who's always so loving and all of a sudden he's got these you know not so loving feelings and then once he saw that she was visibly upset then he lost his shit (laughs) right he's fucking crying oh like yeah just like once he realized that I guess he realized the power of words and how you could actually make people feel. And when he saw that he visibly made my wife feel bad, that and then all of a sudden that made him feel really bad. And, you know, it was like life shattering, like, oh, shit, maybe I maybe she's not going to like me anymore. You know, that kind of thing. And then and then he just lost it for for i don't know it must have gone on for an hour of just trying you know so wow shit yeah so and that that was like one afternoon you're saying that was yeah yeah well we had a couple incidents like throughout the week which was okay which was not typically normal we hardly ever have any issues with him but then there were just weird things would like set him off like we'd be doing a bunch of fun stuff and then something wouldn't go his way at the end of the day and something mm-hmm. he wanted to do and then he'd lose it and i'm looking at him like you know you need got to learn to appreciate everything great that just happened and right. roll with the punches and you know that kind of thing um so yeah it was it was interesting <laughs> it was interesting. so it so was, you were mad yeah i was gonna say so you you were mad stressed yeah definitely definitely felt stressed out how does how does a stressed KGB look? Um, pretty I much like, pretty much like a non stressed. I've seen you stressed. <laughs> I've, seen, yeah. I've seen him stressed. Yeah. Well, you guys you guys actually work together in the same right. building. But um, yeah. no, nah, it was more so. It was more. I wasn't like it wasn't it wasn't actually stressed as perplexed and kind of like damn. Oh. You know, are we taking a turn here? We're gonna start seeing more of this kind of shit. Like, right. You know what I mean? Because I guess just with kids, man, every the change they change so quickly and drastically with the more that they're learning or the more that they're interacting in different situations and whatnot. So, um, 
Yeah, it was it, it was different. You, you said you um you were the disciplinarian in that situation. I'm curious to know what does discipline look uh like? How's it how has it been like the process of of disciplining your son and like what what approaches do you take? Um, I mean we're pretty. We try to talk things through. I mean you know there's consequences and things like that so i mean you know we can give some warnings but then if if it gets past the warning stage then we will um you know whether it's take away your bike take away your whatever privileges to do something um just so he knows that there's a consequence to an action um but it's almost like uh, we generally try to have one of us be you know in a certain situation be the one who's being vocal about it so it doesn't a good cop bad cop yeah a little bit but not necessarily on his you know the good cops not necessarily on his side you know it's, right it's, it just means that the, both just of not us, double teaming yeah both of us don't have to be feel. banging his head like with right. back and forth because that could be a little too much you know what what um <laughs> what age did you start to to implement any kind of discipline that you saw that it was he, he even understood what it was um, I don't remember uh, to be honest with you, but because I mean, we like we haven't had too much, too many issues with him. But I mean, I think, I think may- maybe when he's two to three, like when there's when they start, at least when he started having, like being able to carry conversations and you know, and right. you can kind of reason with them more in terms of don't do this or this is going to happen and you know that kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. That that's it, that tends to work like the the good cop bad cop but well I call it neutral cop bad cop because when they see a you know they do get pissed off but when they see that you're both like on that the kid about a particular thing it tends to make them feel like all right damn I fucked up but I I'm victim of this all the time and my my strategy has changed dramatically because when my wife would get tight and she. She's the one that has the most patience. I got a short fuse. So I'm the kind that's like, all right, look, I'm going to tell you once. I'm going to tell you twice. But if I had to tell you a third time, you know, there's going to be some serious shit going down. And and I had to stop, like, ganging up on the kids because you see, I mean, it it gets scary because you got everybody screaming at you at the same time. Like, you're like, they crawl up and they're like, all right, I don't know what to do. And they start panicking. So I I, st- I just shut up and let my wife do what she needs to do, and then when you know things calm down, I'm like, yo, you you got your mom pissed off, and they know when they get mom pissed off, like they really cross the line. But you know what, the discipline thing is also as much as it's a learning experience for them, it's uh, you know it's for us as well if we if we care to look at it that way, because because right. like looking back, you know, at looking back at <clears throat> this particular scenario, now that I'm thinking about it, it's. You know, it was something as simple as he was messing with a plate and we told him not to do it and, you know, then snatched it out of his hand and then replaced it with a plastic plate. And I was like, oh, you're going to use the baby plate now. And that pissed him off, like some shaming uh, him, you know what I mean? Right, right, um, right, right. So in turn, then he does something. So there's always, you know, this, so it, it's like, okay, how can, how can I be a better parent i mean still you have to lay down the law in terms of what's acceptable and it's like if you get mad about something you know he's got words he can learn to use his words and explain you know what he's doing as opposed to shoving (coughs) shoving a plate that kind of thing um 
but as a parent, it's like, what, you know, what can I be more mindful of so that I don't necessarily create situations? Not that I'm trying to walk on eggshells, but, you know, I could, I can learn to be smarter and approach things differently so that it doesn't spark off a situation or, you know, make someone feel a certain way. Cause at the end of the day, you know, just like, and you know, I, I, you do something to piss someone off, you know, the same way you, yeah, do, you, you piss you a provoke kid. It. Yeah, exactly. Right. But do, do you guys ever think that, um, maybe, maybe more our generation that we're overthinking the parenting and the, and how the kids feel. Cause I just feel like the gener, you know, like our generation, it, it means when I say our generation, I mean us parenting, but when our generation as being children, with our parents and then their parents and going back further back, they didn't, they were just like, which meaning right. I'm the one that runs shit here. Yeah. And they didn't sit here and go, I wonder, you know, psychologically, how does this all pan out? They just gave you the chancleta, the belt, they whooped your ass, you know, and it almost seems like people were, you know, as a, to as a whole were more, or children were more well behaved. At least it seems that way in, retrospect maybe i'm wrong well i think the difference is we're not uh, it's not like we're having these conversations with the kids themselves like well right, you know right. if i hadn't pulled that plate from your hand <laughs> you know that kind of thing no i know we're, but we're, i mean do you think your parents had these conversations i mean I or, or I grandparents don't, i don't, I don't think don't, they. i don't know i don't th i think a lot older school folks don't didn't necessarily have these conversations oh, okay. um but i think um just as like wanting to learn from myself like being able to be introspective and kind of think about now whether or not to act on them or you know change my way of parenting or change my discipline tactics i still don't you know we probably do more we probably talk about it more and like you're saying but i don't necessarily know if that's a bad thing i think it's just you know no i definitely don't think it's a bad thing i'm just wondering where's the balance in the heavy hand yeah. of the old school and yeah. the conscious understanding of psychology and and how you know things you know I, I think essentially if you can have a heavy hand mentally with a with a kid so that they you know so you know you lay down the law and for the most part your your voice is the law and that they listen to you then you know you've 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 made an impact and you know, you might need to tweak things internally as to how you get to that point. But, uh, you know, still having strict guidelines and, you know, having some strict things to follow and then figuring out how to get your kids to adhere to that stuff. And, and uh, figuring out, sorry, to I'll go, go, go. Second, go. Man. But in it's, um, it's also figuring out the individual, like case by case. I'm yeah, sure. Because exactly. I'm sure the heavy hand, one one adult might say, "Thank God my parents were so heavy-handed with me because I would have gone this route." And then the other kid that got heavy-handed turned into a psychopath. Oh yeah, and decided to you know kill squirrels, skin them, and then later on in life become a mass murderer. No, I look, I, yeah, look at some of the kids that are like <laughs> you know some that, of his, that some sounds of his like classmates. one of your hobbies. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just looking at like some of his classmates, I can look at and some that are just acting crazy. I'm like, ah. You know, they need a different type of discipline than, right. <laughs> than you know what I mean. So I think yeah, everyone's different. It, but it, it kind of goes back to you know the the underlying theme here, I think, and it's it's communication, right? right? So right. I think that I think that's a major part of this, and it's one that I could say from my personal experience as a child wasn't one that was utilized very very well by my parents and other parents of you know friends of mine, and not not to say that they didn't communicate, but 
when they got frustrated, they turned to action or, you know, loud voices and reprimand versus like, let's try to figure this out. And so I'm, I'm still guilty of that. Like I, I will quick, I'll, I'll be quick to like scream after I hit a certain point. And I find <laughs> now as an adult, and I'm sure as a kid, I made a whole gang of noise, you know, in and around my neighborhood. But now as an adult, when the loud noise is excessive, I go nuts. And I'm like, but I catch myself all the time now because I'm like, yo, chill. They're kids. They're running around. You're in a, like, luckily now I live in a house, a private house. When I was growing up, I lived in an apartment building. So if I'm making noise, the neighbor downstairs is hearing it mm-hmm. and potentially the neighbor upstairs. So my mother would always say, lo vecino, lo vecino. <laughs> like, you know, the neighbors, the neighbors. And that was like, that was, she didn't want to disrespect their sanity and sanctity in their places so we were like tiptoeing everywhere so for for me now i still have that ingrained in me and i it annoys me but i gotta let these kids roam free because i mean there's no real harm in it but but side note i did say yo i'm recording a podcast you better shut the fuck up (laughs) (laughs) well why don't we do this we we actually got a guest today as well our so, first guest on yep. Fatherhood. Since we're talking about uh, discipline and he's, he's a fairly new father as well, why don't we bring him in and on this conversation? Sounds Let's good. Get it. All right. Let's get yes, it. indeed. All right. So, yeah, we got our first guest on Fatherhoods. We got Static Selecta, DJ Producer. Hey! What's up, Static? <laughs> Make some fatherhood noise. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. We should queue up the baby stuff. <laughs> right. The rat, the rattler. <laughs> Rattlers, whatever you call them. I'll give you the real thing if you want. <laughs> how, how, Daddy, how, how old is your daughter? She's three years old now. She's three. Okay. So we were talking. Oh, go ahead, Manny. No, no. I was going to say, no. Now we're talking about baby noises. I mean, it's not quite baby noise. You, you're getting full-on, like, conversational screams. Full and attitude. Full yeah. back talk. So we were talking about uh, discipline a little bit because I had a couple meltdowns with my son last week that were surprising, that were out of his nature. And uh, then we got on the topic of like how we all kind of approach discipline or how we were disciplined as kids. I mean, what's what's your thought on on, on discipline and have you had to deal with that much with your daughter? We're dealing with it every day right now because she's like she's testing us to see what the boundaries are. So just a little while ago, I had to like put her in timeout and you know try to get down to her level and look her in the eye and be like, "This is what you did wrong." Sit in the corner and she doesn't want to. And then if she tries leaving timeout during that minute, we make her go back in. And then she has a, you know, te- she throws temper tantrums sometimes, but, um, you know, it's hard because sometimes they do like really crazy things that you like, you like, you know, start thinking what the limits are of, of uh, punishing. Because when I was a kid, like. I only, my mother used to like go in on me physically, like not on, not on some like, you know, she was a little woman, so it wasn't a big deal. Cause like I was a growing teenager when she, when she used to discipline me, but <laughs> was, like my, my only memories of like my father ever like being physical at all. I was probably like three, four years old. And he like, he like got me going up the stairs one time and he never touched me again the rest of his life. And that, that was like one time was enough to like scare the, like any idea of talking back to him out of me for like my whole life. You said he he stopped, and do you think that he thought he took it too far at that point and was like, no, "All right, I'm good." I mean, not not even. I think he just like he like I never like 
dealt with him getting that upset in my life at that point. I just like oh. it was the memories I had as a little kid. Like he like got me going up the stairs. He didn't like hit me in the face or anything, but I, he might have got my leg or like hit me on the butt or something. But I remember being so terrified that I like never talked back to him ever again. Okay. Th- that's what we were kind of talking about. We were saying like the old school heavy hand approach yeah. even our parents who you know who still use the belt or the chancleta or whatever versus yeah. now we're like kind of like we th- we kind of overthink it like we're not necessarily i mean at least everybody so far on on this podcast we're all like not really thinking about we're gonna first thing we're gonna do is hit our kids so right. that's kind of like what we're saying like what's the balance of like because it seemed like the old school approach did kind of work you know in the Putting fear in them doing it is one thing, but it's like, you know, like, the the furthest we've gone in this house is really, like, you know, when she's done, like, the, you know, something extremely bad, like, you know, like, purposely poured, like, strawberry syrup on the white couch or something like that. Like, <laughs> oh. Definitely, like, held her hand down and hit her hand, like, pretty hard just to, like, scare her, like, you know what I mean? And, and it works sometimes, but it's like, I don't like that, that mentality, because then when she gets mad, she, like, thinks she can hit other, like, right. other, like you know it gets it's different having a girl because with a boy it's like you know you kind of raise them to be tough but with a girl it's like you want i don't i'm still figuring out you know what i mean right no i mean i'm I'm right behind you i have a a four-month-year-old daughter so four four four-month-year-old so i I got (laughs) (laughs) you got got you got a little ways to go before you deal with it like on that level but like i've said a million times if i had a boy and and he did what like she done a couple times like he would definitely catch it (laughs) (laughs) i want to raise a boy to be like tough and be like ready for it like you don't want to do that with a little princess you know what i mean that's the pro that's kind of the problem though because i have i have two girls and a boy my boy's in the middle so what you just said actually rings true because my daughter my youngest she's two when she starts to wall out you know, it's it's a it's a conversation, for the most part. Yeah. When my son wilds out, and, and so he's five, so he he already understands certain things that he shouldn't do. But he and boys tend to be this way, is what I keep hearing from parents. He wants to stretch the boundaries beyond what the girls would dare to do, and so when he does it, he he gets the psycho face, right? And so the conversation is like grit, you know, chomp, you know, clo- clenched mouth and practically cursing at him is kind of how it goes down but but it's 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 tough because you you're right you want him to be kind of tough and and grow up you know to be a, a man's man you know yeah. so to speak but you, you know, <laughs> sometimes you want to beat the crap out of him but you know i i noticed in the long run i've people that i know that are siblings that are you know boys and girls even my cousin who's who you know she would always say as we got older, that I was given more leeway as a boy in the family versus her. You know, I wonder if that's you know kind of like the the, the the tit for tat. Like you know, you 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 wanna you wanna be more. You wanna raise your boys tough, but then later on, then the girl, you you know, you you tighten you know you tighten her in the noose so she doesn't do as much, as, and then you let the boy run free. I wonder if that happens. You know, yeah, it's it's hard. I grew up an only child. Like I have a half brother and a half sister, but they're both like over twenty years old than me, so I never really grew up with them. And then. The only time I ever dealt with any of that was, like, my, I have a couple cousins that used to, like, li- literally, like, boy and girl, they used to physically fight nonstop. So, like, that's my only real memories of, like, kids growing up dealing with that. Like, I have nieces and nephews, but I wasn't really around them at that age. Like, they lived out of state. So, it's like, you know, it's kind of like living a new life for the first time ever because I've never dealt with a, a three-year-old girl in my life, you know? <laughs> 
how's that how's that changed your whole lifestyle so i mean prior to fatherhood i mean you lived a pretty wild lifestyle and i would assume that you know you still do (laughs) but i mean how's that changed for you well, my career, it's like I don't have to really do anything during the day besides, like, when I do Shade 45, I have to go in the city a little early, and I usually have a meeting in the city. But besides, like, meetings, which, you know, at this point, my management handles a lot of that. So I'm, like, blessed to be able to be with my kid from, like, the moment she wakes up until I go to the studio at night. And I don't go to the studio until probably, like, 9, 9.30, and she's asleep. So it's, like, I'm with her, like, a lot of the time. So it's, like, that's definitely, a, um, you know, a... a, a a luxury for me because I get to see everything and you know um you know a lot of my friends in the same situation work in the city and they got to go to jobs and like be in the office all day they get home they see the kid for like an hour so it's definitely like a uh you know it's a privilege to be able to be with her all day and see you know the the growth every day and um you know like you asked what's changed it's like I used to tour like 200 days a year now it's like I only do my own stuff. Like I don't DJ for. I used to DJ for Joey Badass. I DJ for Q Tip. All, all kinds of people. But now it's like I don't leave town unless it's my gig and it makes sense for me. You know what I mean? Like my time is way more uh, important at home now. And plus, honestly, like I like being in the studio more than anything now. So I like to be able to just go to the studio every day when she goes to sleep. And being on tour for months at a time is not the move when you know you're getting older. I'm, I'm you know, I'm 36 now. I started doing that when I was. 22 so it's like it got old so that, that's like the biggest thing in my life that's changed is the the travel so so you don't when, when you do travel how long do you know are you away and how is that disconnect with your daughter when it when it does come time for you to hit the road somewhere i mean facetime has been you know mm. amazing because we didn't uh, you know all, a lot of my friends that have kids didn't have that when their kids were that age so it's like being able to talk to them a couple times a day is amazing um the longest i've been away since she's been born is probably like 10 days um but that's like maybe once or twice like most of the time i go for a weekend i I go for like like i was actually in cuba last weekend and that was interesting because there's no real internet there so it was like that was the first time i haven't been able to facetime like that Hmm. but like most of the time I, i go away do a gig maybe stay an extra day or two like I'll do a little Europe run for like four or five days and come back. Like not nothing extensive. You you still with the you and the baby's mother together? Yeah, we um, you know, we've been through a lot, but we're definitely in the same house now and trying to you know get things back to the way they were. So she's supportive, and and when you do travel and all that, is that everything yeah. kosher there? She doesn't have to work. She just takes care of the kids. So like that's kind of like the way it's been set up since way before the baby was born. What does your daughter think about the music side of things? Do you have her come into the studio and, and that kind of stuff? Or, or She's in the studio with me. She, she's on my last album. Um, you know, she just she's all about music, and she, she loves scratching and making beats and stuff. Even though I never... Yeah, like, I never wanted her to be a DJ or do any of that, but, like, she, like, sees me do it and sees other people and her aunt and her uncle. You know, her uncle's Tony Touch, so she sees him and, you know, his girl, Sony. And it's just, like... She's just surrounded by it that she loves it so much. So if she ended up wanting to DJ, it's all good. But I never wanted her to do that. So like a lot of people are like, oh, you're, she's going to be a DJ. I'm like, nah, no, she's not. But definitely going to be into music. Like she she loves singing. Her mother sings. So I, hopefully she starts taking singing more serious. I want her to take like instruments more serious. So we were talking. What you- Go ahead, Manny. 
Now, I was going to say, what do you think about the state of, of fatherhood just in the, in the, in the hip-hop game, right? Because I think one of the big reasons why we decided to get together and, and do this was, um, you know, there's a, there's a stigma against hip-hop culture as it relates to fathers. And the narrative, if you believe it, is that they're all, always absentee, never really about their kids. And, I mean, we've seen firsthand that that's not always the case. So... How, how do you see it with the artists that you work with and, and just the industry at large from your perspective? Um, I got to like my immediate circle. Everybody's great dads. And I see like the, the divide. Cause like a lot of them, their dads weren't around and like, I've, I've seen both sides of it. I try not even to associate people with any, that ain't involved in their kids' lives, but I also do know it's, it's not always that easy. Um, I don't want to say no names, but I know some like really high profile, like celebrities that I've had like deep conversations with that don't really get to see their kids, and it's super frustrating because when they say their side of it, it's like, damn, like I know it's not always that easy. I know a lot of people that can't see their kids in general that it really hurts because they're they're good people, and you know it's easy to be like, oh, anyone that doesn't see their kids a piece of shit or whatever, like it, right. It, you gotta really know the both sides of the story so it's like and my, like I said in my immediate camp like I got dudes like Terminology who has good dad gang and has yeah. two, he's there for them um, you know my friend one of my good friends Bamford he's my kid's uh, godfather like everybody in my immediate camp is like amazing dads but I have I have dealt with like dealing you know I wish I could say names, but I can't because I would never break that confidentiality. But it's definitely people you know that, like, you've probably heard things about that. It's just so, you know, both dudes and both fathers and mothers can be real evil when it comes to using the kid as a, as a you know, tool. Yeah. And I, I think the stigma goes back to, like, just people in general when, when a lot of artists would, would rap about groupies or... Or, or cock and bitch or whatever. It's just it just seemed like people were busting nuts, not caring the consequences. Right. And then you know, and they they would joke about like, oh, I got possibles and kids and blah blah blah. And I think that's where the negative stigma came from. When really most of these guys are even saying that, really and truly weren't living that type of lifestyle. Like, we're taking care of their words, though, like we come from a different generation. Though. Yeah, being more conservative with like having kids and you know even in like the nineties, dudes were having. 10 rappers would have like 10 kids you still hear about it once in a while but not the way it is now and and now if you look at it like you can still have that like pimp gangster like image and still be a good dad like look at some like two chains raps about that yeah i was thinking two chains yeah and he's like the ultimate dad he got like what like three four kids he just got married recently and he's just like he's a stand-up dude like you can tell he's a family man he does the right thing look at fat joe look at Khaled. like everybody you look at now that has their kids on social media which is always a some people don't like doing it some people do and i've dealt with like both sides of my mind telling me if i should or shouldn't put her as much on social media being in the spotlight but if you look at it now i feel like we have so many you know nothing but great dads to look up to when when at least on the side of what's being shown to us you know what do you actually you wait sorry Kate, yeah go ahead is it gonna relate it to this uh yeah but go ahead i, I, I no i was gonna say i think that's a good segue because it's something that that I've kind of thought about a lot is, is the whole social media aspect. And, and one of the people that really blew it out the water was Khaled, you know, and where he's taking it to where his kid basically is set for life right now. And, you know, you just got to wonder, is there, what's the downside to that? You know, there obviously has to be a downside to it. 
definitely a risk of like, what's that going to do to the kids? You know, narcissism. <laughs> he's like, yeah, but beyond that, like that, you know, we don't know what kind of damage that's going to do to a kid being like. We've never seen a baby go from no. No, that's that's people. yeah, that's that's new. That's like Michael that's, Jackson was famous from like six years old. Those and look what happened. <laughs> right. And right. social media is a whole different kind of evil now because we never really seen anyone get raised on social media. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, hopefully, you know, Khaled and, and the whole family there, they he has they're prepared a, and they have a plan. You know, yeah, no, nah, his girl's amazing. So, so you know, but but we, you know, that's just something like even just not even like on that level, like just. I'm gonna grab my charger real quick. My computer's gonna yeah, die at one percent. I'm gonna grab my charger. Yeah, you're right. good. So, but and we'll continue here. But even on some normal, damn, who's the, the feedback? I think I it's a uh, static speaker. So let's just let's just static wait. Got, static got the static. Hey! <laughs> What's up? How are you? And and tell the people your name. What's your name? Hi! And who's your favorite rapper? Daddy! And what is Biggie Smalls? <laughs> He's the... <laughs> oh! <laughs> let's bring it back in. He's like, I don't want the social media game. <laughs> she said he's the illest. Click. <laughs> be a little. Don't press like, anything. This will be Stop a little late night edit, editing session. <laughs> that was dope. <laughs> we'll keep that. Stop pressing buttons. Oh, <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Let's see what timeout looks like. <laughs> yeah, we kind of have to keep this in. Yeah, there. we're going to keep it. We're going to keep that. <laughs> No. <laughs> All right, Static. We're, we're we're seeing discipline in action right now. <laughs> so so Harley Biggie Smalls is the illest. Yeah. Where do you live? Hey, talk to me. No, where do you live? <laughs> no, where do you live? In Brooklyn. Uh, nice. And it's you like Brooklyn? Yeah, I talk to you. Me? Who? Who? The guy? The guy Where with the beard? Who? The guy that looks like Santa Claus? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you got the studio named after you, Harley's House of Hits. Yeah. yeah. What do you do with the studio? Daddy. What? Daddy. What? Don't press anything. Okay. <laughs> okay, I will. <laughs> okay, <punk. laughs> Bye, Harley. See ya. That's funny. Yeah. So, Static. Yo, how, how do you... Damn, K, go, what? man. You've been trying to ask something. Nah, K, it's, all good. it's all good. I just wanted to find out... Um, I mean, this is all in the in the vein of the conversation, but content-wise, what, what do you let her listen to and what we, will you let, let her listen to in the future just in terms of language and content and she all doesn't that really like she knows um she, she knows biggie smalls the illest she knows a couple biggie songs but i play the clean versions but she she knows some of my music besides that we listen to like michael jackson and like stevie wonder and the other day like the way she is attracted to like we were watching the quincy jones documentary she was playing she wasn't paying no attention and ray charles started singing and she just stopped everything and looked at the TV and was just quiet for like five minutes and watched the whole thing while he was singing. And I could just tell it like it grabbed her a certain way. Hmm. So, and, and so you you play clean versions of of hip hop. I assume what your music is it also the clean version or do you let the 
Yeah, I don't, right. the, I don't play her the bad songs. Like she, she knows a couple of the records that are more positive. Got it. I actually want to do a mixtape that's like something that you know parents can play for toddlers. That's like famous hip hop songs. That'd that be a good idea. Yeah. Oh, in we, fact, I forgot that tape. That I'm gonna find that tape. Keep talking, guys. <laughs> yeah, we we actually uh, in the previous episode we were talking about exactly that, uh, but from a playlist perspective, yeah. like putting some stuff together. Yeah, because my son always wants to hear songs, and you know we'll be putting stuff on in the car. And we're listening, and then it's like don't always get the uh, clean versions. And once the fucks and shit start flying, we're like, ah, oh, <laughs> she she know like she knew, you know, Prodigy. Prodigy lived next door to us, and and um, she knew like she knew Combat Jack. She she like been around so many people that I have to explain to her later like how important they were to to what I do, hmm. but. Um, you know, I'm definitely going to show her the importance of some of the people. Like, like definitely Prodigy, he's someone that meant a lot to me that even before I knew him meant a lot. I can't wait to explain, like, who these people were that were part of her life like that. Even Sean Price, like, his second to last post was a picture of her. when Like, she was, like, two weeks old when he died. It's just crazy, man. Didn't, didn't he give you some advice? I remember you telling me that he gave you some advice about, uh, you yeah, know, once, once she was born. He was just like, you know, um, calling your daughter from a police station is not cool. He's like, you got to put your pride aside. Because, you know, Sean comes from a very uh, short-tempered mentality, which I, you know, I come from fighting in Boston and then moving to New York. And just like, literally, we used to fight a lot. Like, even a couple of years ago, like, too much. You know, I, I avoided jail too many times. I ended up in jail too many times. But... He gave me, like, that speech, and I was like, all right, Sean, I get it. Like, definitely, and I agree with him. But then he died, like, that, I don't even know, probably three days after he gave me that speech. And it was just like, dang. So I, like, tried to do that for him, and obviously for her. But just the res- like, he took that conversation so serious. And a guy like Sean Price, all he does is rap about slapping dudes and beating people mm-hmm. up. That's like, he was like, no, like, dead ass. Like, you know, your, your pride isn't worth, you know, taking an L, you know, you're not taking the L no more, your, your kid is. Yeah. And he had, you know, Sean has two, um, well, he has an older boy, and his, I think his son's like, like 18, 19 years old, but he said when he had little Sean, his daughter, he like, that's when everything changed for him, because like, you know, like going back to what we were talking about, just having a daughter is a lot different. Have you, and you mentioned you when you have to explain, you know, these, these people to your daughter, has, has she in any respect experienced or, or have you had to have that, that discussion around like death right like a member of the family or somebody close like how how has that gone if, if you've experienced it multiple times i mean whenever she sees pictures i mean her grandmother my grandmother her great-grandmother passed not too long um well she passed about two years ago now but harley was just starting to talk and figure it out and um you know, like I said, Prodigy, like, she was there when I was going all these funerals, and then this past week with Mac Miller, she, like, she was like, she's like, your friend died? He went to heaven? I'm like, yeah, and she's like, um. like, where did you hear that? And she's like, my, uh, she she calls her grandmother Manya, she's like, Manya taught me that, and I was like, really? I didn't even know she knew about all that, she's like, you know, I personally don't, I'm not religious or anything, but you know her grandmother taught her that so now every time she sees somebody like she'll come to the studio and have a sean price bobblehead and she'll be like that's your friend he died why he died (laughs) oh he's like you go to heaven though i'm like yeah yeah like it's just it's crazy how they start rationalizing but but it's not she she doesn't go through it from a 
it's an inquisitive thing. It's yeah. not like not an a, emotional not a sad, thing. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, we, we 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 were talking about that a little while ago too. Uh, just how that whole thing pans itself out. And I, I guess age is a big, obviously a big piece of that because the older they are, the more attachment there is, and there's more sensitivity there. Do you, do you guys remember? My girl actually brought this up. It's funny this this morning. She asked me if I remembered the age that I you know understood what death was. Do you guys? I don't remember. Do you, do you guys remember that? Mm, no, I don't think so. I I, th- I, I think remember. I started getting. She remembers. She said it was devastating when she realized, you know, that's it. You know, you die. It was sometime in elementary school for me that, and and I think it was just I started getting nervous about my mom dying at some point because she was I was you know I was a only child and single mom, and so she worked a lot at nights too. So I'd always be worried about like uh, something happened to her when she's driving home late at night, that kind of stuff. And that's that's where like the whole death thing clicked in for me but i you know, some some sometime around elementary school yeah i guess it's probably the same for me you, you were gonna say something static uh, i was just saying i think the first time i ever dealt with death was like when my turtle died and i was like eight i didn't have anyone close to me die until like 11 years old and then after that i feel like it's been like every year so many people since then Shit. it seems like now for some reason like people are just dying left and right it's it's crazy it's crazy, man. All right, do you have certain things that, um, and we've talked about this amongst ourselves in other episodes, but are there certain things from your childhood or, or ways of parenting that, that, you're, that you've looked at from, from you growing up and saying, uh, I'm not doing that, you know, I'm going to do, do, do X, Y, and Z a different way because it left a negative impact on you? I mean, I was a pretty serious kid. Like, I took... Like I, I decided I was gonna be a DJ when I was thirteen and I like never before that I was still into music and like very, you know, a- addicted to it. But like when I was like from the day I decided I was gonna do this, like I literally never like it was never like a thing I'm oh I'm gonna take a break, I'm gonna do this. Like I took it so serious that like kids in my high school were like, Yo, come come party and I was like, Nah, I'm gonna stay in and scratch or make a mixtape or act like I was on the radio or I actually started doing radio when I was fourteen, so it was like I just always took it so serious that I think I'm going to put that drive in there. I don't want to, like, bang into her head, like, on some, you have to decide what you want to be when you're 13. But I think she's naturally going to just, like, go in a musical direction. And if she doesn't, it's all good. But I, like, I just, I think taking um, your teenage years more serious than, like, others do is important because that saved my life. Like, I saw a lot of people, even that wanted to do the same thing as me, they didn't take it serious until later. And it's like, it just, you know. What it, what advice, though? Because we did talk about this, and we were saying, like, being that we are in the industry, what we thought about, you know, our kids following in those footsteps. What kind of advice would you give your daughter, knowing that the hardships that in any kind of, you know, entertainment business or the arts, there's a lot of hardships. What kind of advice would you give her? Uh, I think a lot of that's going to come as situations come. You know what I mean? Like, she's going to see a lot of those very early because she's just so surrounded by it. Like, her whole family is just... It's it's just the way it's going to be. I haven't really thought that far ahead as far as... I think every instance is going to have a different, uh, you know, explanation. But I also think that, like I said, being able to be there and not have... Like, she doesn't have babysitters. She doesn't have any of that. Like, dealing with every situation, I just, you know, knock on wood, hopefully I'm just around long enough to be, you know, her, her guide with a lot of that stuff. 
we're still trying to figure out schooling and all that. I'm kind of on the fence if I wanted to go to a, you know. Like public school? Or even like a private school. We're just figuring everything out. Or school, (laughs) period. Homeschooling school to a certain extent. But I have someone that works for me, and like sometimes it bugs me out because I'll say something to him, and he'll like, he'll be like, "I'm trying to think of a good example, but just something so like obvious that we learned in school growing up, like he won't even know it." And I'll be like, "Wait, why don't you know that?" And he'll be like, "I was homeschooled," and I'll be like, "Oh shit, there's a flip side." <laughs> no, yeah. there's definitely a social aspect. Yeah, yeah, the, learning yeah, the pros and, and being cons around other that. kids. Yeah. So what? I'm trying to figure everything out, but we got a little time. But we got, we got to make a decision about school in the next like six months. Yeah, because at four, you got to start with preschool and whatnot. That's yeah, the plan. No, she has friends that are three already going to like pre, pre-preschool. pre mm. And yeah. she got her to, um, to an interview at Montessori, and she got denied because like the kids were supposed to be like cleaning up the toys, and she was like throwing stuff around and just like drawing on like wood and stuff. I'm like, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I took my son to Montessori one time just to check it out and, you know, and all the kids were just so quiet and moving around and, you know, it was snack time and the, the teacher Explain said... Explain for people who don't know what that is, though. The Montessori thing. I want to say it's like... I don't, I don't really know how to describe it. It's like really early... It's, uh, it's more focused on... Because I'm just learning about it myself. Actually, my neighbor just told me that she teaches at one of those schools. Well, out here, it's like a lot of... Like, in Brooklyn, like it's like 26000 a year for yeah. three... All you need but, to know is it's expensive. <laughs> no, I already knew that. Just <laughs> one of my close alone. friends grew up going to it, and he was like, he he was like lower class. So I don't know how he went to it because I guess it like depends which one you go to, different prices and all that. Maybe they but have programs. They do scholarships too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I just it's, know that it's basically more <laughs> focused on the kid as opposed to like the the teacher, like as like in a traditional more classroom individual, setting. Individual, like yeah. So like, teaching. there's no front front of the classroom it's basically the kids come in and then they kind of they go in and figure out what's interesting to them and they start working on those projects that in, no in grades kind of right a, what's funny is i'm not sure about that it's like right in front of the montessori school that we went to so like the park's right in front and i i bring her over you know, all their basically all the kids that go there most of their parents work like you know most people no, work in general no, normal normal right. Right. <laughs> but I'll go over to the park like those hours while they're there and you know they go outside of the park it's part of the school they go out you know for like 45 minutes a day or whatever and I'll have Harley over there and we'll be playing on the swings and the slide and all that and the people that got the kids it's like three three adults for like you know 25 30 kids they're not oh. even attention it's little kids falling off the slides falling off the jungle gym I'm like Damn. I don't and, you know if I'm paying that kind of money I want my kid to be yeah Safe, safe, sure. and they're like, you know, it was, it was weird, man. I don't know. I'm happy she's not going there. Like I what, said, everyone's different, but what's your like? Because I mean, we we t- we look at this podcast as like our therapy session. Because yeah. I mean, you know, we we always talk about all the different things we go through as dads, and I- I'd love to ask you, like, what what has been like the most challenging moment you face while raising Harley so far? Right now, it's a mix between definitely the disciplining thing and and also potty training has been a pain in the ass. And Ooh. I know other people that have had it easier, but we're having a hard time with it. 
Well, yeah, let me introduce you. Check out, check out episode, episode two of Fatherhoods. <laughs> <laughs> All about potty training. <laughs> hide in a closet or she'll go like in a dark area and like, uh, and just when, you know, when she has to do number two, when she does, she'll be like, I got to pee. We'll be in a restaurant. She'll, we'll bring her to the bathroom. She goes pee. But as soon as it's time for number two, like she's just very private about it. And when, you know, her friends already are wearing panties and not wearing pull-ups no more. She's like the only one that she hangs out with her in her age group that still does it. So it's getting aggravating. But does she does she tell you why she prefers not to, or is it kind of she's completely like shut off about it? Even though she gets treats when like we did the whole treat thing, if she goes in the in the toilet, we'll give her you know ice cream or like a a cupcake or something, and she just it's not not having it. You know what? She was doing great, and we went on a trip to Puerto Rico. And, like, we were, like, whatever, we're in Puerto Rico. She can wear diapers the whole time, and we didn't, like, stress it. And that kind of, like, just set us back months. Mm. Yeah, kids, kids see, yeah, those, those things can, because kids are, at least from my understanding, is they thrive on the consistency of, like, when you're trying to teach them stuff. So if there's if there's breaks in in the routine, then, yeah, things can go a little, little haywire. And I would imagine there's always going to be breaks in the routine, especially lifestyles like ours. <laughs> yeah. So, so you mentioned something uh, static early in the conversation where, um, as part of your disciplining, disciplining, uh, you you got down to her level when when you put her in timeout. That's it's an interesting dynamic because I mean, it's something that uh, it's not immediately noticeable for somebody to think of. But it is probably the best way to do it because you're getting at that level. Was that something just inherent, or like were you reading about stuff? My mother and her, my mother has seven, uh, seven brothers and sisters, so like she's been dealing with, you know, their grandchildren for years, and she helped raise my brother and sister, even though they're not hers, and like they have kids, so she's been dealing with like toddlers for a long time. But she's the one that like really stayed on us about getting down to her level and you know explaining to her what she did wrong and all that. Yeah, we do that. We we do that too. We learned that. I don't remember where we learned that from, but that was an early on thing that we learned to to help get the point across is to crouch down and get at their level. That that's one of those things that I actually read uh, about. Where usually it was like in, you know gut stuff with respect to like how to treat and raise a kid. That's something I read. And I was like, oh shit, that makes all the sense in the world. Did you end up doing it, Manny? <laughs> I do, I do. <laughs> you read that shit, man. <laughs> ah, fuck it. <laughs> I was like, ah, fuck that. Nah, nah, I do it. I do it. I, I shake the shit out of my son, though, sometimes, and I got to chill. <laughs> oh, man. I don't, I, don't hit him. I don't hit him, but, like, yo, sometimes I just got to be like, yo, what the fuck? And then he gives me the wide eyes, and I'm like, all right, put him down, keep it moving. That's that Dominican shit. <laughs> hey, bro. Sometimes, you know what I mean? I told you a long time ago. <laughs> I used to take her and, and like, I'd be like, you want to get baby slammed? And she'd be like, no. And I used to take her, like, throw her on the bed. Now she's like, yeah, slam me. Yeah, more. <laughs> All day. She's like, slam me on the couch. Slam me on the bed. She loves being thrown on the, you know. So I, I read about that, actually, that, um, like, there's a whole thing about physical play for kids. Like, that and there's a lot of kids these days that are coming up that don't get any of that kind of interaction. And so they, oh, okay. they I forget what the whole thing is, but they I lack in something. But, but. But yeah, I mean, the like kids need a certain amount of that like physical wrestling and play with their parents and stuff. And nowadays, and it's just not a lot of that. 
it goes to like with bullying and all that. Like, I feel like when we growing up, bullying like made us like you know prepared for the world and yeah, like yeah. tough. But, but you know, and you want to be like, oh, but like my attitude was like, oh, bullies were always a good thing. The thing is now is with social media, it yeah. becomes a different. It goes thing. further than the school. It goes further yeah. than the playground. That's the problem. Everything's it's just a whole different world now because yeah. you know with anything everything's just so sensitive and like you got to just be careful on what you tell your kids to say uh, it's it's a whole new experience man even like being on you know i'm on shade 45 which is like literally uncensored but there's certain things that sometimes slip out that we got to be like damn we got to watch it because like you know coming up you know a lot of uh crazy words were being thrown around that were fine on the radio howard stern was throwing them around like you yeah. know like saying the fag word and things like that in hip hop, it was normal, and like rappers were saying it. Every rapper you ever heard said the word, and now mm -hmm. it's like a complete like taboo, like off the chart thing. And it's like, you know, even with like media and like, I'm not that I was gonna say words like that around my daughter. I'm just saying in general, like it's kind of the same thing talking about bullying. That now even what people are saying on TV is get like people are losing their jobs off of things they used to yeah. do. The politically correctness is out of control, and, exactly. and you know, imagine on drink chance. I'm scared all the time. The next day, I'm like, oh damn, yeah. what the hell are we yeah, talking we about? Yeah. Like my show, we're drinking. It's like, yeah, you know, nothing. Everything we're saying is is said with no harm intended. But like, right, right. It's like especially in the Trump era too, it's like, man, thank God we can talk shit about Trump. This is yeah. like. There's other radio shows that I've seen like people get letters like, yo, you, you cannot. Uh, I don't want to say who, but other DJs have got letters like you can't talk shit about Trump, like it's against policy. I actually have to watch. We actually have to watch what we say about that around my son because then he goes around and repeats it, and you know everyone's got different views, and you right, know, when you're right, out in right. public, so it's like it's also like letting him understand, like, look, what we talk about at home doesn't necessarily mean you have to repeat everything because everyone believes different things and lives a different way so you know well, harley's puerto rican so she already hates trump with a passion <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't limit our trump hatred her side is automatic <laughs> nah, like we a lot of her family got you know they're devastated in puerto rico so there's no i don't i don't care what she says about him she hates him <laughs> <laughs> yo uh, talking about the social media stuff again um you saw what what kanye said recently right about him thinking that they should abolish the view count and the follow count. I'm not mad at that. The only thing is, is it's like, who's going to be like, how are you going to even filter the personalities on social media? If there's no gauging why they're known for it. You know what I mean? Like, well, I think, I mean, it, it, it's a good idea. I just think it's a little too late for that because it's way there's too so late. much, there's so much industry on a positive side, like independence, you know, from the gatekeepers, that social media, having those numbers, but there might be ways to circumvent that. Like you can maybe have a back end that you can show. Think about how many like like people wouldn't be famous if they didn't get likes on Instagram. Right. It's crazy. Yeah. But but what he's saying yeah, makes yeah. sense. Is, like like so, for our kids basically is is what I'm thinking. Like like I don't want them to grow up in a place where they think the only validation they have is how many people follow them on a social. Imagine a kid in in, in elementary now because that's where it's at now already in elementary school wondering about social media you know numbers like that's crazy to me. Well, just think about what they're doing in China. Your social metric it's numbers. It's not Facebook or Instagram in the next like ten years, though. It's gonna be some next level. Oh, it's gonna be some other shit. Yeah, yeah. We it's don't gonna be like integrated in people's bodies. Well, like, no, you, you you know what they're doing in China, right? That that 
basically your your social metrics and your social numbers uh reflect like the higher and that you have like a positive status. status affects how you're going to be able to rent an apartment buy a house the money yeah, the all fuck. that stuff Dude, yeah. that's ridiculous man yeah that is ridiculous what does you guys watch black mirror on Netflix? Nah. nah i need to see that so there's an episode that has that in it but they're actually doing that in china or at least rolling that out so that's kind of scary to think about for kids in the future because you're going to do all kinds of dumb shit in, on social now. and so You asked what was one of the biggest challenges is like really accepting that you're bringing a new life into this world that's about to get crazier and crazier. Because yep. technology alone is going to just implode everything when it comes down to it. Like Things are getting too advanced. And, you know, every year, what do they say? Things get like 100 times quicker every year. It's going to be yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, it's like where can it even go? Like that 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 was my hesitation in having kids up till now and, and now my girl wants to have a second one. Terminator. Just so just so our kid isn't an only child like us. Yeah. So I I don't know, man. I just can't imagine. I don't mind her being an only child. Like we went we neither, I was an only child. We had a very rough two pregnancies and like the second one, thank God, you know, Harley was born. So it's like she, her mother's done. So and I'm cool with that, but like, you know, I think being an only child, you know, it's, it's a double-edged knife. It can definitely uh, be – it could help you as much as it could hurt you. So I'm not mad at it. But. Well, maybe in these social days having that extra friend, <laughs> you know, that, that blood, would, wouldn't hurt. Because maybe if you're an only child, maybe you start to rely too much on these social services to have, you know – friends and family in your mind well, so I, I guess it boils back down to the parenting and how how you know how much you let that into the kid's life and how how it, you're able to monitor that it's about substance like a lot of people you know they're just not living in the real time anymore they're, they're looking at their phones all day even if they're in a club they could be in the they could be at coachella and they're on their phone like people aren't living in real time so it's like you gotta just teach. They're living for their phone or for the, the social platform. They're not living it anymore. That's and the I'm, unfortunate I'm, part. I'm definitely a, a hypocrite because I'm. It's hard, bro. No, no, we're all, no I mean, we all are. We all live like this is. I, I had these conversations because my lady's ten years younger than me. So when when we started dating and she was using social media in a way that I wouldn't use it, you know, like kind of like diary style. Yeah. And I'm just like, how could you even do that? Like, I'm just like, and then she's like, but who are you to talk? You're on this shit all the time. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm looking at myself as a as an entertainer, as a marketer. You know, I'm using it as, a, I, I, you know, I'm doing certain things to get certain amount of followers because I need certain amount of eyeballs on what I'm promoting. Yeah. So I'm looking at it differently. Now, obviously, there, there's a hypocritical side to that. But and imagine that's her generation and the generation before her and then the generation growing up now. Like, to them, it's all encompassing. I was watching some shit that in... um. Bangladesh, one of these fucking countries, they introduced Facebook and it's like their internet, and they live life oh, by Facebook. Yeah, yeah, no, I just, it was on, uh, was it on, um, Hi. I was it on uh, John, um, what's it called? This week with John, uh, John Seymour. Oliver, right? Oliver, Oliver, John Oliver said, Seymour. yeah, you saw that, right? I'm Seymour, John Oliver, uh, yeah, it was mi- how you say it? it starts with an M. It's like uh, Myanmar, Myanmar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had the problem with the Muslims, and they were hating all Muslims based off everything they were seeing on Facebook. It was, it's ridiculous. They basically said there was like two people that spoke the language that worked for Facebook in general. So like basically all this hate towards Muslims was being spread off of like false information. And it was starting this like, what are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) Holding your hands. Um, The the, the five minute, (laughs) the five minute mark. (laughs) 
<laughs> you got to definitely watch it. I suggest anyone out there watch it. Yeah, yeah, it definitely Harley. underscores everything we're saying about social media. So, so Static, what yeah. what is it that, I mean, I think we kind of covered it, but fears-wise, right? So, like, what is your biggest fear as it pertains to, to her growing up and developing? Is it, like, technology or nah, things? I'm not worried about her with technology. I'm just, just yeah. state of the world, really, I, like... I think about it all the time. Like, if things break, you know, things get crazy. I moved to like Canada or Vermont or something. <laughs> I'm like, I'm thinking about getting my Canadian passport because I'm like a generation removed. You ever tried that? You ever tried that? <laughs> you ever tried that? Who is that? <laughs> who is that? Dude, who is that? Dude, who is that? That's Harley. Can you say hi to Harley? Come here. Can you say hi to Harley? Yes. The kids take over. Hello, Harley. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> now it's childhoods. Yo, static. Be, right, keep, keep it a buck. Do you bite her cheeks? All right. I think the kids are telling us it's time to. Dad. That my daughter got chunky cheeks. Boy, I get in them. I can't. My daughter. My daughter. She's upstairs. You want to talk? You want to talk to my dog? Yeah. All right. All right. Her mom's calling me for dinner too. Yeah. So. We gotta jump. <laughs> well, look. I'm gonna take a picture and put it on. We'll put it on IG. But this is the old compilations that are all. Oh yeah, Rap Masters. I remember. Oh those. yeah. Yeah, I remember those. They got the different, the comedy ones, the the, the gangster ones, and they're all clean versions. No, no. Oh. Hey, Static, we appreciate it, man. Thank you for uh, rapping with us. I appreciate you guys. Take it easy, right, brother. Man. Thank you, man. Have a good night. All right, man. Take See care. You. Later. See you guys. <laughs> Yo, be a father. If not, why bother, son? A boy can make him, but a man can raise one. Be a father to your child. 